Well, good morning, church. How we doing? I'm Scott Weatherford. Really glad you're here. Hope you're planning to stay for the picnic. Are you planning to stay? Yeah, so I may cut this short so we can get a hot dog quicker. <laughs> Nobody believes that, right? Yeah. Well, I, today, I, I want to tell you a story, a story that Jesus told, and it's found in Luke chapter 15. So if you want to turn your Bible and look there, some people say, well, he didn't even open the Bible today, because I'm going to tell you the story today. Now, Jesus, Jesus was like out of the box, little kind of understatement, actually out of heaven, but out of, he didn't do things normal. And he got people uh, that were normal, the religious folks, all in a dither. Can you imagine that? Church folk getting in a dither. Sound like they were Baptists before they were Baptists, right? In a dither. And he did things like he talked to notorious sinners and tax collectors and just the reprobates. Y'all know any reprobates? If you don't know any, you're probably one of them. That's why. And he had, a, he had a, a reputation for doing that. And it really ticked off the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the other people, the religious law. They just, whoa, 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 Jesus, talking all these heathens, blah, blah, blah. But then Jesus said, I'm going to pull back the curtain. I'm going to show you the Father's heart. Because there's times that you've got to shuck off that religion. And there's times you need to realize that God is all about relationship. So I want to show you the Father's heart. So in Luke chapter 15, he tells two stories. He tells one story about a woman who lost a coin, and I can kind of go into all the theology about that, and it's a great story. This coin was part of her endowment package. Her family gave to her as she started a new life. She lost one of them. She searched her house, and she found it, and she celebrated. She called the whole family together, and they had a big party because she found her lost money. Have you ever lost money? Yeah. Have you lost money in the stock market? <laughs> yeah, you did this week, didn't you? Yeah. And so the celebration of found money. And, and then Jesus told another story that just boom, blew their minds. Let me tell you that story. You see, there was a certain man. And when Jesus said a certain man, what he was saying to the people that were listening today, this it wasn't just a common, ordinary man. This certain man was a, a wealthy man. He was a man of prominence. He was a man with religious standing in the community. He was deacon at the First Baptist Church. There was a man, a certain man. And he had two sons. He had an old son and a younger son. And, you know, for a, a certain man to have two sons, that's a great thing because in, in Jewish forms of government and leadership, you could not be in leadership unless you were married and you had an oldest son. So he was qualified according to their customs and traditions. So this man had two sons. And the youngest son, the one who was considered lesser than the oldest son, <clears throat> came to his father one day, this certain man, and he said, hey, Dad, I wish you were dead. So why don't you go ahead and give me my half, and I'll go. And I'm thinking, that kid needs whooping. But Jesus telling this story, the father split his wealth with its two boys. He gave the older one his inheritance. He gave the younger one his inheritance. And Jesus went on to say, this younger boy, after a few days, took his inheritance and he went to a far country. Now, those who were listening that day understood that when you left the territory of Israel, that you got out from under the canopy of God's cover. 
And basically, Jesus was telling us a story today that there's a covering that God wants you to live under. And when you decide to move yourself out from under that, then you've lost the protection of the covering of God. But you never lose the love of God. Did you hear what I just said? You never lose the love of God. And this boy took this money and he went to a far country. And the Bible says that Jesus told it that day, found in Luke chapter 15, and he wasted his money on riotous living. How do I remember riotous living? Because when I was about four years old, I came into the kitchen one day and my mama said, Scott, what have you been doing? And I said, Mama, I've been wasting my life on riotous living. That might have been a prognostication for things to come. Riotous living. And about that time when all his money was gone, a famine swept across the land. You know, it's really funny. In God's economy, oftentimes we do not turn to him when we see the light. We turn to him when we feel the heat. And there's nothing like running out of resources that'll make you desperate for the covering of God. And so this boy had nothing. His money was gone. A famine was in the land. And so Jesus went on to say, and he persuaded a local farmer to hire him to work on his pig farm. Now, for Jewish people, that's crazy. Why in the world would you ever work on a pig farm? You know, pigs were unclean animals. You couldn't eat pigs, and, and they, were, they were filthy. In fact, they were so filthy, they were really the only proper inhabitation for demons. Do you remember when Jesus cast the uh, demons out of the, the guy that had all the demons in him, and he, they, Jesus said, who's there? He said, legion, for we are many. And he cast the demons out of this man into this 2,000 pigs that were on the hillside. Y'all remember that story? That's the first case of deviled ham right there. That was bad, wasn't it? It's going to get worse, y'all. Because you know when those pigs jumped off the cliff into the water? That was the first recorded case of swine flu right there. Okay. I'll stop. But he found himself working at a pig farm feeding pigs. Here's this Jewish boy from this prominent family, the son of a certain man, feeding pigs pods. And Jesus said, and you know what? This guy was so hungry and so desperate, even the pig pods look good to him. Now, y'all got to be, be hungry to get pig pods. Now, Tara and I recently signed up for this meal service they called HelloFresh because our friends, I won't mention your, their names, Dan and Andrea, told us we need to do that. <laughs> and we, we got this. We, pig pods have not been on the menu, y'all. And they, if they are on the menu, we will stop HelloFresh and we'll go hello something else. And he saw these pig pods were fit to eat. And so, but then Jesus makes this great transitional statement. He said, and then he came to his senses. I wish Jesus would explain a little bit more about how one comes to your senses. But it's very obvious the adversity of life and the lack of resources, and the, the dismantling of his status. The status boy from a certain man with a certain pride, working in a, a terrible place. 
that Jesus knew that those who were listening were the most arrogant and entitled people in all the ancient world. The Jewish people believed they were the chosen of God. Of course, they were the chosen of God because Jesus would go through them to deliver salvation to all of us. Because in Christ's economy, there's nobody better than anybody else. Hello. And this arrogant little boy came to his senses. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit whispering to his heart. Maybe he went on to fbcwimberly.com and heard one of my sermons. <laughs> but he came to his senses. And so he then began to plot his way back. But here's something I've discovered. When you go repent, you go return home, you always have to rehearse a speech, Right? And you never tell it all. You want to find out how much you need to confess before you confess it because you don't tell it all, do you? And so he started rehearsing his speech and he kind of kept it generic. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll get up and I'll go home to my father's house. And when I see my father, I'll say, Father, I am no longer worthy to be called a son at your side. I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. Just hired me on as a, as a hired hand, as a servant. So he rehearsed his speech. And then Jesus pans away from the boy in the pig pod business and he shows the father. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the father was waiting on a lost boy. And Jesus said, and when he was a long way off, the father who was expecting a boy to come home saw him. And this certain man this dignified man did a very undignified thing. For a Jewish man, a noble man, a certain man would never, ever, ever run. He would never, never gird up his loins, pick up his, his skirt and run to meet anybody. If you saw a Jewish man running, it's like you saw me running. Something bad's happened and you need to get out in front of it. <laughs> he girded up his dress and he ran to this boy showing the heart of a father. The certain man with all his dignity, with all his pride, with all his elitism, with all his heart broken because Jesus was showing us the heart of Father God. Father God spends his eternity standing on the porch of heaven waiting for us prodigals to come home. And not does he wait in passive anticipation, he waits with aggression and movement. And therefore, he came to us while we were sinners. Christ died for us. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not the God who waits, but the prodigal God who pursues. Upon arriving the boy, here this boy was. He looked like hell and he smelled like hell because he'd been living like hell. Smelling like a pig, covered in pig pods, this probably unrecognizable child that the father knew because the father knew the heart. And the boy started his speech, Father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in, in your side and, and, and I'm no longer worthy. And the father said, hush up now, hush up. We ain't got time for this. Bring a robe, bring a robe, the finest robe, 
and put on this boy's back. And those that listened that day, those Jewish leaders, those Pharisees, those, those experts in the law, they knew that Jesus was painting the picture back from the prophet Zechariah. In Zechariah chapter 3, the prophet gives us a foreboding vision of heaven when Yeshua or Joshua, the high priest, is standing before the Lord and Satan is accusing him and Yeshua is standing there covered in robes that are covered with human excrement. If y'all don't know what excrement is, it's poop. He's standing for Jesus covered in poop. And the Lord says to Satan, hush up. Who are you to accuse my child? Angels, bring a robe, cover him. Cover him in my righteousness. Bring a clean turban and put on his head. Those Jewish leaders heard Jesus talk about a robe that would go on this broken boy's back. And he knew that it was the robe of righteousness that would cover this child. It was this robe of, of acceptance, this robe of purification, this robe of being brought back into right standing. And I want to tell you folks, God's got a robe for every one of you and for me. Because he wants to cover you with his righteousness. He does not want you to live in your condemnation and your sin covered in your excrement. He wants you to live covered in his righteousness. But he didn't stop there. He said to bring a ring for his finger. In those days, a ring was basically his debit card. Put my resources on his hand. You see, the signet ring of a certain man had certain privileges and priorities that he would stamp that ring and it would be considered paid that the resources were behind the ring. Bring a ring to bring this boy back into right standing. He has squandered everything he had on riotous living, but God is going to restore everything that he lost through his righteousness. Bring a ring and place on his hand. But it didn't stop there. He said, bring shoes for his feet. Why? Because ain't nobody barefoot in heaven. No. Because how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. This boy who was so long gone has now been brought back into complete standing. Not only was his righteousness restored, not only was his resources were restored, but now his reputation was restored because of the, the sandaled feet, the beautiful feet of the ones who bring the gospel of peace. Quoting Isaiah, Jesus said that. And the religious leaders were going, wow, who knew that the father was like that? Who knew that he wasn't about keeping rules, but about a repentant heart? Then Jesus changed the scene again. He said there was an older brother. Remember I said the certain man had two sons. And the older brother, the good kid, the religious kid, the kid who uh, his wife was in women on missions, the kid who taught Sunday school at 915 at the Baptist church, the good kid who never wandered away heard the ruckus from the house. Instead of going to the father and finding out what's going on, he went to a servant and said, hey, what's going on up at the house? I hear a party. They said, yeah. You see, your brother, the reprobate, has come home. 
and your daddy has killed the fatted calf for him and is throwing a party. What? Daddy doesn't kill the fatted calf. You mean they're up there eating brisket? Because yeah, it is Texas, y'all. It, <laughs> and instead of being celebratory, he was bitter and broken. And he got stove up mad. His, his lip, it poketh outeth. Instead of celebrating, his entitled arrogance came to the forefront and is complaining. Whoo, I know this about me. When I don't get my way, I am a brat. Anybody else like that? We'll talk about lying next week. That's going to be a good <laughs> Easter sermon. So the father, I love this, and I missed this a lot when I read this passage. This father who went and got that kid smelling like pig also went out and got that boy who was bathing in his self-righteousness. And the stitch of a pig and the stitch of judgment smell the same. And he said, hey, come into the party. He said, why should I go in there? That dead gum brother of mine, this is what, this is what the older brother said. He's been off spending his money on prostitutes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus said he'd spent his money in riotous living. Now this older brother in his judgment has done, done jumped the shark and gone to prostitutes. Maybe it was the revelation of his own heart. You know what I've discovered? In fact, I will quote Beth Moore, my sister Beth Moore. She said, the more legalistic people are, the more likely they're covering something up. He said, Daddy, you're wasting your time. That boy, he defiled you. He sinned against you. He sinned against heaven. And you're throwing him a party. You killed him a fatty calf. I cannot believe you. You never even had killed the goat for me. And that's bad. <laughs> Y'all knew that was coming, didn't you? Yeah. You threw a party. And this is how Jesus said in the story, this is such a strange ending. He said, don't you understand? Your brother, he was dead. Now he's alive. He was lost. Now he's found. And Jesus never closed the loop about what the older brother did. Did he come to his senses? Did he make up a speech like, Father, I've been with you all my life, but I've realized I missed your joy and missed your peace and missed your purpose. I've been caught up in legalism and, and doing stuff instead of being your son. And, and I've sinned and I'm going to go welcome my brother back and, and I, we're going to party together. We're, this is all about you restoring. It's not about how good I've been and how bad he's been. It's about how both of us really needed you, the loving dad. Maybe Jesus would finish it that way. But a few chapters later, he did finish it that way by going to a cross for us and dying in our place. And the prodigal God would die for rebel sinners like you and me. So I want to ask you this question. Who, who are you in this story? Who, who are you? 
Now, there's four people, four kinds of people in this crowd. And let me just kind of show them to you. Maybe you can answer the question, who, who are you? Are you the lost son and daughter or daughter? Are you the one who's walked away? And you've done what's evil in the Lord's sight and in the sight of people. And you feel like you're, you're covered in excrement. And you're unqualified and you're unkept and you're unclean. Is that who you think you are? And you say, well, I could never come home because look what I've done. And you've allowed your shame to become your prison. When Jesus said, come home, I love you. No matter what you've done or what you become, come home, I love you. You're welcome here. You're welcome with me. You see, there's not a sinner Jesus can't make right and not a sin that Jesus cannot forgive. Come home. Come home. Come home. Or maybe you're the father or the mother. Day after day and night after night, you look down the road waiting for that kid to come home. You've heard me say this, you're only as happy as your most miserable child. It's true. The older they get, the more complicated life becomes. And with a broken heart, you wait. And you wait ready to restore. Not ready to chastise, not ready to say, I told you so. Not ready to say, get your act together, just come home. Come back to God. Come back to us. Maybe there's some forgiveness needs to happen in your heart. Maybe some I'm sorry's that need to be said from you. But I love the picture Jesus painted about God. He welcomes nasty kids back. Come home. I, I know what that's like. As I wait. And pray and believe and hope and expect ready to leap off a porch and go welcome, welcome a child. God's the God of restoration and he is our hope of restoration. Maybe you're the older brother and you're caught up in your own self-righteousness and you're quick to condemn. And you really don't like what's going on at First Baptist Church because we're growing like a milkweed in the barnyard right now. People are parked in your parking place and sat in your pew. <laughs> Eat your cookies and drinking your coffee. And dadgummit, if they're not going to get in the hot dog line ahead of you in just a minute, and they're snotty those kids are going to be running all over this building. When God is calling us to be a safe place to hear a dangerous message and to be a place where prodigals are celebrated and parties are often thrown. Maybe you've been religious so long you've missed the relationship with God. Maybe your religion has turned you into a legalist and your legalist has turned you into an elite. But there's a fourth crowd. Maybe you're like one of the ones who listened. 
It was a diverse crowd. Tax collectors and sinners, leaders of the religious law, casual people who just happened to wander up and listen to the most compelling figure to ever enter history, the most dynamic communicator that's ever walked the face of the earth, the most dynamic, charismatic leader who's ever lived, Jesus Christ. Maybe you came to hear him speak. Think I might. And maybe that's who you are thinking, this really doesn't matter. I'm just here. And maybe you're like the majority of people who you're just kind of attending. Statistics tell me that people that attend church, it's about 1.8 times a month. And I can tell when you're here on the 0.8th week. <laughs> you're a little foggy. You need more coffee. That's why we let you bring coffee in here, y'all. Hmm. Maybe God's saying to you, Come home. Because you're not going to get intentional while you're being casual. But you can't be casual while you're intentional. You could be relational. You could lose the religion and grab the relationship. Maybe you could forego the ritual and lean in to the vital connection and community. Maybe you're here because you have a broken heart of a prodigal kid and you need other people with a broken heart to form a support group that we wait together. Who are you in this story? If you're the prodigal, come home. Come home. The father's arms are open. He's waiting with the robe, the ring, and the shoes. Come home. If you're the one who waits, like the Father, look up. For your deliverer is at hand. The Lord has promised you to raise a child in the way he should go, and he was old, he will not depart. Look up. And love and expect. Don't judge and condemn, but look up. Trust me, says the Lord. To the older brothers, older sisters, wake up. What are you doing? Why did you fall into this trap of legalism? For I would suspect that you too were a prodigal at one time. At some point in your life, you had to come to your senses and you had to come to the Father. Or maybe you haven't. Maybe you've been in church so long, all you've been is churched and not saved. Do you know you can go to church and miss Jesus? And I'm praying you'll never do that here. Maybe you need to come home to Jesus today. Or maybe you need to get right with Jesus today. Or maybe it's time to move from the casual listener to the intentional follower. Where are you? Wherever you are, Jesus says, come home.
come home. Maybe the moment of coming to your senses is right now. And it's not in the baritone voice of some preacher with a Texas twang that says, come home. Or perhaps the conviction of a holy God through the intervention of his spirit who says, come home. Come home. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what your word has to say to us. And thank you that you are the God who restores us. And the hope of restoration is found in you, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I pray, oh God, that we will do business with you this morning. That we will identify ourselves and make commitments that change everything about us today. That we were literally come home, come home. Folks, with your heads bowed, if you're a prodigal and you know it, I want to invite you to get up and come home. Not physically, but spiritually. That you will pray right now and you'll ask Jesus to save you and redeem you and restore you. Maybe for the first time in your life, you need to give Jesus your, your heart and submit your life. Maybe this is a recommitment that you've been living in a far land and it's time to come home back to God. Prodigal, come home. I want to lead you in a prayer of homecoming. Not a rehearsed speech, but in a desperate prayer that a, that a prodigal God will hear. Will you pray this simply and silently with me? Pray this to Jesus. Jesus, I'm coming home. I'm coming to you. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And I thank you that you have on the cross and you proved your power through the resurrection. And I believe in that. And Jesus, I'm yours. I give you my life and I'm going to live for you. I am coming home. If you're waiting on a prodigal, I want to pray this for us. Oh God, I pray that you'll move heaven and earth to bring our wayward children back to you and back to, back to their family. That you'll help them come to their senses. That even right now, wherever they are in that far land, you're speaking to them and drawing them and asking them to come home, get up and go home. And Father, we will we'll celebrate. We'll kill the fatty calf for each other. We'll celebrate the homecoming of a wayward child. If you're an older brother, older sister, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Perhaps you want to pray this. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're just mad that I mentioned it and you don't want to do anything. Well, that's when you and Jesus. But right now, we, we just pray this. Oh, Jesus, help me to have your spirit, to have your spirit of love and spirit of welcome. And oh, Jesus, would you make this church, this church the hope of the world? That it's not a location or building a place, but a people who is so enthralled about you, the loving Father, that we're going to lead people home. Maybe you're the casual, the bystander. 
come home and move into the intentionality of living all for Jesus. Come home. Father, thank you for what you've said to us this morning. And I pray that we will not be the same when we walk out these doors. We'll be changed by you. The power of your love, the reach of your grace, the welcome of your arms. And we pray this in your strong name. Amen.